0: Hello and welcome. Today you'll be hearing from Thelma McDonald. Thelma was ordained in 2006 and went on to pastor at Bethany Memorial Baptist and Truro Emanuel Baptist. She talks about being called to ministry as a mature student and the passion she has for interim pastoral ministry. My name is Thelma McDonald. Most people through my years of ministry have known me as Thelma McLeod. I was born October 11, 1947 in Sackville, New Brunswick. Was taken out to church at the age of of three uh, to the Middle Sackville uh, United Baptist Church and um, taught by very dedicated teachers. Uh, I think looking back today, we probably say there was a lot of sort of the old school ways of teaching, but that was what worked for, for my generation at that time. And uh, I played the the old uh, pump organ in the church, and I also played piano, gave my life to the Lord at age 12, answered an altar call. I was baptized in Silver Lake in Middle Southville. It's It's like a Y in the road, and... Um, We wore the choir gowns and went out into the water and I was baptized there with the cars going by, so it was a very public baptism. And like many, many young people do, I sort of walked away from that for a while, uh, but God didn't walk away from me. When I came to the Divinity College to study and found out that my ancestry uh, were settlers that came up from Swansea, Massachusetts, and I said to Dr. Bob at the university, I said, that is my history at the oldest Baptist church in Canada. And he said, Thelma, I wouldn't say that too loudly around the area of Wolfville, because the Wolfville Baptist Church makes that claim. So uh, we, we had a good laugh over that. I was a mature student, that's for sure. I was uh, studying at Mount St. Vincent, and I was just trying to uh, start into university studies, because I only had my grade 12. Uh, Reverend Dr. Gordon Sutherland was a mature student as well, doing his mentored ministry at First Baptist Church in Dartmouth. And I went to him and I said, I'm just feeling something. I don't know what to do with it. And he said, well, why don't you change your degree program uh, to a BA in religious studies? And I did that. I was, again, very involved in the uh, First Baptist Church in Dartmouth. And I was the vice chair of the Board of Deacons. It wasn't automatic, but they assumed that you would grade into the position of chair the following year. And I was getting more and more agitated and anxious. And I went to Reverend Dr. David Watt. And I just said, David, I can't do this. This isn't what I was meant to do. And David being David, he just said, tell me what you were meant to do. And I said, write and preach. And it just came out and he got me behind the pulpit very quickly and um, went on to get my um, what we call the license to preach, uh, license to minister, we call it today, and then the license to minister with the Halifax Association. And it all came together in the year 2002 and I graduated with my Bachelor of Arts Graduated in May and realized that I could take a very early retirement, but I had enough to get a small retirement pension that very same year. So I thought, I need to just make the next, take the next step now and go on to the Divinity College. And they had uh, an orientation couple of days, and I came up and stayed with Reverend Sarah Scott. And I still laugh at that time because she was very, very sweet and it was a wonderful time. But she had to be up until something like 2 or 2 30 in the morning studying. And I always said that should have been my first warning of what I was getting into. <laughs> but I moved forward. And uh, I do remember that at that time I was given my letter that I had been accepted to the Acadia Divinity College. Still choke up. Isn't that terrible? And I went in the washroom and just cried. I was so excited. And, uh, and phoned home and said, I've been accepted. There's a wonderful miracle around that, that I think I need to include. My husband was retired from the military and he was driving for Acadian lines and he was on a medication and he collapsed in the stairwell of the bus and it uh, damaged vertebrae. And so he was on workers' comp for, well, it was almost two years when we moved up here. I was giving up my job in the federal government, and he was bringing in only a workers' comp amount. And we didn't realize that the two-year period, he was going to have to be retrained because those dollars were going to be cut off. And we came up uh, for me to meet with the registrar and one of the men that he had known in the military in previous years. Um, was there on campus, and he said, well, if you're moving up this way, if you want just something to do, I can give you a job driving students at night for their safety. And when we told Workers' Comp that he had found this, they paid for our move. And so we had movers come in and pack everything. And I even wrote them a letter to say, we're not moving for John's job. We're moving because I'm going into full-time studies. And they said, no, he needed to find a job. He found a job and we can pay moving expenses to get him there. And it was just God's hand on on our finances. It was amazing. I I fully expected many points along the journey of my education and towards ordination that God would just close the door. And I thought, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. And then there'd be another door open or another, another step forward. But... When I did get to the day of college, I was stopped in the hall by one of the students who just looked at me and said, you should not be here. You're a woman and women should not be studying this. It came up in a couple of the classes. And I remember the professors uh, trying to not convince, but try to teach us that women in ministry was a calling of God. And Dr. Lee McDonald was the president of the college at that time. And we had the mailboxes rather than the emails. And I believe it was a two-page letter. I wish I could find it or get a copy of it. Uh, I remember it single-spaced, it was a long letter to say this college uh, supports women in ministry. But there were long conversations in our classes that women should not be studying There was no church that I could go to to fulfill the hours that I needed for my internship. Dr. Peter Lonis from First Cornwallis came into the office where I was working, and he said, I'm wondering if you're interested in coming and working with me and fulfilling the hours that you need. As far as I know, I was the second person who did that without pay, and the first person was a woman, and I was the woman. I struggled with that for a long time um, because I knew that a lot of my fellow students had gone into churches and the churches had made arrangements uh, to pay them, and I was doing that for free Went before the uh, ordination council. I'm almost embarrassed to say that once again, I was rather naive of the seriousness of it. Um, had my statement of faith, felt comfortable with that. I just went in. I didn't have much in the way of nerves at all. And here were some 40 people sitting in front of me. I remember that I talked too much. (laughs) I just seemed to ramble on. Um, One of the questions was about um, leading someone to Christ. And I was just off and running with that. And so I know Dr. McDonald had to pull me back. And one of the questions was on conflict in the church and I couldn't quite follow what he was trying to get at, you know the Matthew passage of going to someone and taking someone with you. So I really stumped on that. But other than that, I found that people were very supportive. And I know before me, not that many years before, women were given a very difficult time on those ordination boards. So, so I was not. I was really affirmed and supported. I, I've always said once in a lifetime is enough. For an ordination <laughs> of the council, but at the same time, it was not that difficult for me. We had an ordination service of First Cornwallis and Bethany Memorial, and that was beautiful. I had Reverend uh, Darren Millett working with me because he was doing his internship. And so he had come into Bethany, and he and I were just a team, and I didn't expect a lot of people. And so I was thinking just this small service on a Sunday night. And all of a sudden, upstairs and downstairs, we had people there, people from Dartmouth, people from New Brunswick. And one of my friends from Dartmouth said, Thelma, I've just witnessed a living funeral, that everything that you would ever want said at a funeral that is good about you has come out (laughs) tonight. So it was very, very special. And uh, Harry Gardner was my guest speaker. And I was sitting in the second pew. And he just looked down at me and he said, Thelma, you cannot save anyone. He said, Thelma, do you hear me? You cannot save anyone. The Holy Spirit does that. So I do remember him. uh, (laughs) I sort of sloped down into the pew, said, yes, sir, I hear you. (laughs) But it was just a beautiful service of people just there and the hugs and the joy. um, Music, it was just, it was overwhelming. As I look back, I, I didn't expect anything like that at all. So then I was called uh, to Bethany Memorial Baptist in Aldershot to be their pastor, interim at that time. And then I was taken on as their, uh, their lead pastor. It's about 12 years that I was there. It was my first experience of ministry. Um, I remember one pastor, they were expecting a baby, and he said, It's all theory until you have the baby. And I thought that's exactly the way it is with ministry. It's all theory until you're thrown in there and you have to do it. Many challenges. um, There have been church splits in the history of that church. A lot of residue from those. uh, But I had come to love the people already. I had been there for three years as a member of the church. They they allowed me into their lives. Um, I did their weddings. I did their funerals. I did their celebrations of anniversaries, and we just had wonderful times with the seniors. And then um, I guess I mentored a student every year that I was there. And then Sarah Stevens was with me, and she went into um, the lead pastor position when I left there in 2018. So the highlight for me of ministry was the people of being allowed into their lives. you will have people who are supportive. Don't give it a second thought. You're a woman, but you're working alongside them. I had known Dr. Carol Ann Janssen, and so I turned to her on many occasions uh, for her advice and wisdom. Lynn Yuzans was the priest at the Anglican Church. And again, an amazing, wise woman who was just so open to mentoring and helping out and supporting anyone who uh, had questions, I think male or female. But um, I was on the council for CBAC and got to know uh, Carolyn Steves, from Newfoundland very well. We, we just got very, very close. And I just think the world of Carolyn and uh, could turn to her at a moment's notice and know that she would be there and me for her. Um, Dr. Sandy Sutherland. I had known when I went to Gordon when I first heard the call of ministry and then went to their wedding and uh, saw them have their children and so on. So Sandy's been in my life at a bit of a distance, but at the same time, she and Gordon both very much wise people that I have turned to for advice. So um, we have some amazing women out there. They have been strong in my life on what we call the convention floor, the OASIS four certainly there have been issues that um, have become very strong and uh, a lot of conflict. And it's painful to see that. And so you hear other people who made comments, but I think overall, as I say, I was on council with Dr. Peter Reed, an amazing experience and on the executive as well, and just accepted and uh, and affirmed for my opinion on things. So there was never the issue of, well, you're a woman, we're going to listen to a man. That just did not happen. So it's out there, and it's still out there. It's still very much alive, but I think there are many more people who are accepting of women and recognizing the call of God on lives, on female lives today. It didn't end at Bethany. I always wondered how I would know when I was supposed to leave ministry. And I became interested again through Dr. Gordon Sutherland in intentional interim uh, ministry and took one course in Guelph, I believe it was, and took another one in Ontario. And I just soaked in every bit of the information. It was just like, oh, I love this type of work and all that it does. When a pastor leaves, it can be a wonderful Uh, leaving, but they miss the person so much, or it can be a time of conflict, having an interim, an intentional interim. So it's not just to fill in until they find a new pastor, it's to go in with the congregation and help them work through uh, issues, what their goals are, where they want to go, and to prepare them for this new pastor when a search committee is, is struck. I was going to move from the valley down to Dartmouth where my daughter lives, and get a, an apartment and just uh, asking God to open up some doors in intentional interim, maybe on a part-time basis. Uh, God just smiled and he sent me to Emmanuel Baptist in Truro. We did a history wall at Emmanuel, and it was just an, an amazing experience of people realizing as they put little stickies up, the highlights over the years of their history and then the sad, the difficult times. And so you put all of that on the table to see what does the church need? What work needs to get done before a new pastor is even called? Um, and one of the big things that I did at Emmanuel was just to sit and listen to the people. And it was a wonderful experience because they basically they, they trusted me. I was a sounding board. They were able to come in and say, okay, this has been good. This has bothered me. This is um, where we've been. This is where we're going. I like it. I don't like it. And all of those things came out in very personal conversations, but they had it. They were heard. And then they had a chance to just air that, get it off their chest. And I think in many ways, even just from a one-on-one conversation with me, they were able to get past it or in some of the things that we did uh, together as a congregation. And I, I, I preached intentionally on uh, unity, on moving forward, where the church was going. So it is a very intentional interim position. And again, I think it is so valuable. And I loved every second. (laughs) And I was up there for about a year. I had said I would go for two years to help them through this intentional ministry time. But I started a relationship with my current husband Um, I was widowed in 2011 and remarried again uh, in the fall of 2018. And uh, all of a sudden, there was this drawback to the valley. So I stayed with them for about a year at Emmanuel. And they were very gracious in letting me out of my contract to go get married. I'm trying to retire. When I got married, it's like, okay, Lord, you're, you're calling me into a marriage. This is a whole new life. The church had become my identity. And I loved it so much. I loved the people so much. I loved the work so much. And then all of a sudden, I was in a completely different role. Um, so it has not been easy to retire. And I'm still doing pulpit supply and some funerals, and uh, I've done a couple of weddings. But it's it's not the same. So some people I know are waiting for that retirement day and loving every second and the way they go. But for those who find it difficult, and I've talked to two or three of them. Be a little bit prepared for that. It might not be the easiest transition when the church has been so much your life. I mean, we just follow God. when people have, quote, given me a hard time about being a woman in ministry, it's like, well, I know that God has called me. What do you think I should say to God in opposition to his call? (laughs) So that's my bottom line. Like, God has called me here. And I can't refuse that. And so if a woman knows that she has been called by God, I think I would say, you know, many of the issues are still out there, unfortunately, but we're moving forward. The biggest thing is to just be so in relationship with the Lord, and then to have good support around you. And that means male and female. And when you have that, you just do the Lord's work. And I don't know that you can really give a lot more advice. Just find people that you can trust and people who will support and affirm you. And follow the Lord. Thank you, Thelma, for sharing your story with this project. If you're enjoying Called to Serve, please rate and review the podcast and share the episode with other listeners. You can follow Called to Serve on Facebook and Instagram and learn more about the project at calledtoserve.ca.